0: May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It seems disconcerting to stand here a week after my installation, having preached myself in, to be now preparing to preach on another inaugural sermon the inaugural sermon of Jesus. The reading from Luke as presented this afternoon and the reading from Isaiah whom Jesus quotes speak about the church's mission and Jesus's mission. That mission is all about bringing in the kingdom, a kingdom free of poverty, oppression and injustice. Jesus wants people to be set free. In Luke's gospel, this reading places Jesus in his hometown in the same synagogue he would have attended with his father. You may remember that Jesus has just returned from his time in the wilderness after his baptism. And for Luke, This is the first opportunity that Jesus has to speak publicly. We, of course, know what the crowds do not know, that Jesus has been declared the Son of God at his baptism, confirmed through his ancestry and strengthened in his identity through the temptations in the wilderness. The synagogue scene reiterates that the son of the carpenter is in fact the son of God. Taken as a whole, Luke 4, 14 to 30, is a mission statement of Jesus's life, encompassing who Jesus is, what his ministry is about and how people will respond to him. The importance of this episode for Luke is in Revealed where he has placed the story. And like Mark and Matthew, who place the story of Jesus appearing the synagogue later in Jesus's Galilean ministry, Luke places it at the beginning. In placing it at the beginning, Luke's story moves from the temptation to Jesus's public ministry. And Luke begins by saying, Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. Often, when reflecting on this reading, preachers, including myself, concentrate on the mission of Jesus and not on the Holy Spirit. But as we turn from the Ascension, celebrated last Thursday, to Pentecost, celebrated next Sunday, we are given a golden opportunity to think during this week of the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, both in our lives, in the world and in the church. So that when we come to celebrate Pentecost, we are ready to affirm our call and the call of the church. It is clear that Jesus could not have undertaken his mission without the help of the Spirit, and neither can we. Over the past few weeks, I have come to rely more heavily on the Spirit. Without the Spirit, I could not do the role that is set before me. And when people talk about the size of this place and my role within it, I am all too aware that I cannot be dean without the help of the Spirit. And that message is clearly given by Jesus to the first disciples in Acts 1. The message that they too cannot do what they are called to do without the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The Spirit clearly gives us the power and what we need to fulfill the call of Christ. So why do we attempt to live as Christians without seeking the guidance, gifts, and strength that the Holy Spirit brings? And why do we act as if the Holy Spirit only acts on and with individuals? After all, the call to follow Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit is not just an individual endeavor. It is a communal one. The call that Jesus embraced was not a solitary mission. It was the task of whole communities and ultimately the whole church throughout the world. The prophet Isaiah's servant of God should be understood as a representative of the people of Israel, not just as an individual. The church finds its call in its people. It continues the ministry of Jesus, drawing on the various gifts of of its members not one member, but all members. In this cathedral, we are a community of people called to serve Christ and Christ's church. In recognition that we are called to serve the church and the world, the Archbishops of Canterbury and York have called the churches in this period between Ascension and Pentecost to pray, thy kingdom come to pray in and through the Holy Spirit that our families, friends, and communities come to faith, and that we may be witnesses to the world. They're encouraging us to pray for individuals and for communities. In this cathedral, there will be a 24-hour prayer vigil from 10 o'clock next Saturday morning till 10 o'clock Sunday morning to pray for God's kingdom. Without prayer and without the gifts of the spirit, we cannot bring in the kingdom. We cannot fulfill that rallying call from Christ to bring good news to the poor, to release the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. So, as we move towards Pentecost, there is much we can do as individuals to pray that Christ's kingdom may be seen here as it is in heaven. There is much that we can do, there is much we can do as individuals to pray for our call and God's call on, the li- on our lives and the life of the church. So, can I encourage you over the next week to pray for someone you know who needs prayer and needs to know Christ? Can I ask you also to pray for fairness, justice, and well being and organizations like Micah, who prom- promote that calling of Christ as seen? in Jesus, Jesus's inaugural sermon. Let us pray. Holy Spirit of God, we watch for you, we wait for you. Come Holy Spirit, renew us, refresh us, restore us. Inspire us that we may live and work to your glory. And we pray for your spirit upon our lives, upon this cathedral and upon the world in which we live. We pray for leadership, for good judgment and for fairness in decisions that are reached through our parliament and through local government. And we pray for all those who work for fairness, for justice, and for well-being. And we sum up these and all our prayers